Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of a modern monocle. Stopping the copyright bullies from pulling the wall on us. Painting and taking on all the plate and pay to troll. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Scrutinize and do their lies and make them fold. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. Hello and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Preston. The online video market has grown and really started to mature quite a bit in the last few years. It actually, honestly, if you look at it, happened rather quickly and with less of the usual disruption that we tend to see as a form of content moves from one medium to another. Um, Netflix did a fairly a graceful job in shifting from the DVD delivery business to becoming the dominant player in professional streaming video. And a few other platforms have sort of quickly followed as being the the smaller versions. Uh, these days, it appears that for professional TV-style content, you have Netflix followed by Hulu and Amazon. Uh, you could argue that HBO is in there as well, um, though they're still mostly focused on trying to tie that uh, their internet stuff to a cable account, though that is starting to switch, I think, a little bit. YouTube obviously dominates the amateur space, but it's increasingly trying to push into the professional TV-level world as well. You also, of course, have the traditional cable and TV companies that are trying to keep up and trying to do things, but so far haven't done a very good job of it. Uh, all of this, though, raises some interesting questions. The first is certainly about Netflix and its overall dominance in the market. Um, and, you know, is that a permanent condition? Right now, a significant portion of Internet traffic is all Netflix traffic. And so there's some question about whether or not Netflix will continue to dominate as, as strongly as it has or if others can take on that market. Uh, and... There's some question, too, about kind of what exactly that market really is. Uh, you know, Netflix, Amazon, and Hulu all used to just deliver content that was created by others, by content creation companies, and they were just technology or service providers. But all three of those are now investing very heavily in creating their own exclusive content. And that's raised some concerns about whether or not that content is getting siloed off. These days, you can't watch everything you want unless you have four or five different accounts, which not only adds up in terms of what people are spending each month, but also leads to some confusion about which shows are where and some general confusion over different interfaces and how to use the different services. We also don't hear that much about the piracy issue anymore. It's still there, but certainly not not as often as before. You know, something, sometimes when something like popcorn time comes up and, and people start discussing it, it, it shows that the siloed nature of content in these different uh, authorized platforms can have some limitations, both in terms of the UI design and in terms of overall content selection. So for today's podcast with our usual co-hosts, Dennis Yang and Hirsch Reddy, I wanted to discuss the future of professional online video content, where it's going how it may change, and, and who's likely to dominate, uh, if anyone. And so, Hirsch, since you suggested this topic, let's start off with you. And do you see, we'll start with a, a basic question, which is, do you see any way to knock Netflix off as the sort of king of the hill right now? Well, I think, you know, it's, I don't know if it's accurate to say that Netflix is the king of the hill right now. I mean, uh, certainly. I, I mean, would disagree with that. <laughs> well, let, let's put it this way. It's certainly the apple of everybody's eye right i mean they're the they're the pioneer of the business model they are 
the mindshare leader. Right. Uh, but, but if you look at sort of total number of subscribers, I mean, uh, it's, it's obvious that HBO is, is far ahead, right? Uh, HBO has yeah. more than 100 million subscribers, and, and uh, Netflix, I believe, is, you know, much smaller than that. I think it was it's something around like uh, 80 yeah, million or but, something but, like but that. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know if that's a fair comparison, right? Because no, you're the, right. You're the right. HBO stuff is a lot of sort of legacy TV. People have TV cable right. Absolutely. subscriptions, right? You know, we're talking about the online streaming. And yes, yeah, certainly, like, because HBO mm. has now started to, you know, make it easier to stream, you know, lots of people are watching HBO content through streaming. But, you know, that's not where people go necessarily for streaming okay. services. Well, l- 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 well, let's think about it in this way, right? Um, if you are talking about uh, daily eyeballs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, HBO has a lead. And in almost every online kind of a business, the metric, a lot of times people tend to value eyeballs sure. more than revenues. Now, I think one thing is, is absolutely clear. You know, I think in 2015, for the first time, Netflix's revenues overtook HBO's subscriber mm-hmm. revenues I'm talking about. And so that really showed the trend of like, you know, this new business is, is, is really taking off and it's happened a lot sooner than people expected. And it's clear where the trend is heading, right? Mm-hmm. But when you have the eyeballs tuning into your, to your, your station, to your channel, there's a lot of things you can do if you're smart to pivot those people onto your online platform. Now, HBO hasn't necessarily built a lot of confidence in what they've done, but at least in one aspect. I think we can all agree that um, their content is uh, it, it holds its own with Netflix. Sure, right? of course, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, uh, is 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 HBO's the, the fact that HBO's revenue is less than Netflix in both kind of total revenue and subscriber? Is that because that they're they're not capitalizing on the online piece? Is that really I, why? I think that's probably it. Uh, you know. Uh, you probably know anecdotally a lot of people that's are in their 30s or 40s and are using their parents' cable subscription credentials to to essentially get HBO Go. You know, there's that kind of stuff going yeah, on. But the, right. so there's, happen. Yeah, but but there's lots of people the, who are sharing Netflix accounts too. Right? Absolutely, yes, yes. So I, I, I don't know yeah. if there's any real difference in terms. Yeah, you you're probably right about that. Um, I, I do think that Netflix, though, unlike HBO, has gotten a lot stricter about simultaneous IP streaming. Right. And that's a pretty recent phenomenon. And I'm not going to say that that's responsible for the discrepancy in the revenues. It's certainly not the case. Um, If you look on sort of the Netflix positive side of the balance sheet in terms of what they're doing right, um, while HBO definitely has a lot of the most talked about series like uh, True Detective and Game I mean, of Thrones. Game of Thrones is yeah. pretty good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, Game of Thrones uh, you know, is, is dominating, obviously. Exactly, exactly. It's constantly, every week, it's on everyone's Facebook feed, it's on Twitter, it's on Reddit, etc. But House of Cards did pretty good. And this year, like uh, I, I believe Netflix announced that they were going to be the exclusive streaming distributor for everything out of Disney. So that we're talking about the Star Wars franchise movies. The Marvel stuff, like the huge, you know, like Civil War, all the Pixar stuff. I mean, that's a huge library sure. of extremely compelling things that not only brings like the nerds to the table, but everybody who's a parent that wants their kids to see like, you know, anything out of the D- Disney catalog. I mean, they're going to come to Netflix. That's Yeah. That's and I, I mean, it's it's interesting to note, right? I mean, Netflix and HBO actually have a deal too, where, where all mm-hmm. of HBO's content is going on to Netflix. There's like, I forget the exact details, yeah. but for most of the content, I think there's like a delay of two years. It's definitely delayed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and I think it's a big delay. I think it's two yeah. years. I might be wrong about that. But basically, you know, all old HBO content becomes available on Netflix too. 
which is which is interesting, right? You have this sort of you know cooperative, but isn't I mean kind of situation. There's a little wrinkle with the HBO content, and the wrinkle with the HBO content, I think, is with the old stuff. I think HBO correctly understands that the demand really for their stuff is really the real time demand. Like, how often do you sure. go back to look at the old? Game of Thrones episodes. And if you think about it, they're letting Amazon essentially give away their back catalog for free with an Amazon Prime subscription. You have the entire yeah. uh, HBO back catalog for free on your on, on, as long as you have Amazon Prime. So, I mean, basically, if you're ordering diapers every week from Amazon, you basically get HBO, right? The old stuff. So, uh, you know, that's... You know, so I think it's definitely a win for Netflix and I think definitely for... Uh, for anyone who doesn't have Amazon Prime, that's a pull, but I think it's not as much as the Disney stuff. But but coming back to your original question, which was, is it a sustainable league? I think it's really hard to say whether it is or not. Uh, I mean, because isn't that lead really driven by the fact that like the content that people want um, is on HBO, right? Exactly. And if they don't have, if, if Game of Thrones ends and they don't have a next a next show that's as mm-hmm. popular as Game of Thrones, then like, like I know for, for me personally, I, I would kind of stop subscribing. Like there's yeah, no right. reason so, for me to subscribe. So, so, but so for all these services, right. So that you're arguing exactly. that then it just comes back to the content, right. Which is why yeah. all of them are investing so heavily in original and exclusive content. Right. And, but well, so like if you think about sort of content based businesses, there's different ways people look at it. Some people think of it as being kind of this thing that's not necessarily sustainable because tastes change over time and how can you guarantee that somebody's content team is going to consistently be good. It's not really a business built on barriers to entry or built on any kind of sort of monopoly, monopolizing sort of uh, uh, a business, right? And so because of that, um, you're essentially betting on sort of the organization culture to some extent. But I think there's definitely examples in history of companies that have consistently done that well, like Disney, for example. Uh, and, you know, to be honest, HBO for probably the last couple decades, right? I mean, they've sure. consistently made great shows. So can Netflix do the same thing? Um, sure. But can they sustain really big and, you know, glorious margins on it? Uh well the, well, the thing is, right, so Netflix, part of what Netflix claims, and, and who knows how accurate this is, but what Netflix claims is because they have so much data on what people like to watch, like that's actually what's been really driving their decisions in terms of what kind of content to create. Because they could, you know, they had this just huge corpus of, of data about the kinds of shows that people like and the kinds of actors that people like. And we're able to use that as sort of, uh, you know, a data driven system yeah. for designing what what sorts of shows to invest in. And that's actually really interesting. No, I OK, let's let's break that into two pieces. The first piece is, is how useful is that data in determining successful shows Sure. And, I mean, execution is always going to matter, right? But right. yeah, so, so like how like how often like how much data do we actually know like is has has an exact cause on the success of a exactly. show? That's sure. Hard. So yeah, I, that's fair enough. I think I think where it's very useful is certainly looking at viewing patterns and picking out sort of broad categories that would be, uh, you know, people would be attracted towards. I, I think that's uh-huh. great. Uh, I think it's yet less useful in in. Uh, 
in, in sh- on a show by show kind of basis, right? Because you've, you've seen some of their, I mean, for all the success of House of Cards, they've got some pretty spectacular failures. Right? Sure, like, sure. Like, you know, what is that Marco Polo series, which was pretty expensive right. and hasn't done very well. Uh, but but be, besides that, let's leave that aside. Let's just assume that it's it's it works fantastically, right? Well, what is the barrier to entry to prevent Amazon or a Google streaming service or or HBO for that matter uh, doing the same thing? I mean, it's 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 difficult. Yes, it's not rocket science. And as you can see from the kind of standardized big data platforms already offered by cloud platforms like Amazon and Google to do just this sorts of sort of analysis. It's certainly possible to commoditize that kind of uh, analysis. And now it hasn't been done. I'm not suggesting that there is a just a turnkey product out there that'll you know give you that. You still have to build something. But I don't think it's as hard as it was 10 years ago to do it today. It's much easier, and it'll be even more easy in another five, 10 years. So I, I don't think that that on its own. But you think it's going to be more easy to make a hit based on data? Is that what you're no, saying? no, no. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is whatever advantage Netflix has. Which, is, by using is, data, is, is, is not, not a sustainable advantage. I think everybody will soon have that kind of data at their fingertips. Now, it could be ineffective. It'll be ineffective for Netflix. What I'm saying is I find it very hard to believe that Netflix will have a particular formula of dealing with the data that nobody else so, has. So let, me, so let me bring in the, the, the sort of underdog here, which it's weird to call them an underdog. But you know, if you're talking about data and information like that, mm-hmm. you have to look at YouTube, right? So, you the know, Google. which... Which, right, because obviously they have Google and Google's AI powers behind them and the ability to sort through all this data. And they have, a, you know, a lot more users than anyone because it's, it's all free. And so you could you yeah. could look at YouTube as sort of like, you know, and they also have, you know, the minor leagues effectively, right? They have all this amateur content right. of people who want to turn professional. So they have, you know, they're sort of working on kind of a, a promotion path to take, you know, the really good amateurs and turn them yeah. into professionals. And and so you know is is YouTube positioned to to sort of overtake these other players? <laughs> no, I, I think you guys. It, it, I, I think cosmetically it appears to be like that, but I think really you should think of YouTube as a separate kind of content. It's not sitting down in one place and watching something for an hour and a half or two but hours. They're, they're, but they're, they're not trying. good at that. They're, yes, they're, they're trying. trying. To. So, so that's the question. Though, why? Like, why? Uh, that's an interesting question to me, at least. Is is why? Why can't people do that context shift? Because let me tell you what. The, the minor league analogy you used is fundamentally flawed because the people that are good at making short form YouTube content and doing it well and becoming the YouTube stars mm-hmm. are the type of artists that it seems to me, and I could become really prejudiced about this, but are not the people that are tuned to making the kind of content that succeeds long form. And I think that's proven out by the few times they've made these little detours to do long form. I think that stuff just doesn't, comes across as very campy. They don't. They don't really do a good job. Now, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, I, I think there have been YouTube people who have turned, you know, like there's there are people who became successful on YouTube and now have like shows on Comedy Central. And, like, well, if, and does it have to become long form? I mean, no, exactly. That's the other, that's thing. The other question. Yeah. Sure. I, if you are, are we talking about another type of subscription service that is an entertainment subscription service uh, that makes video content? I think certainly Google can enter there. Can they become a competitor in terms of releasing uh, uh, like House of Cards and Game of Thrones style content? Absolutely. But I think it, I don't think their existing YouTube uh, infrastructure helps them, except that, you know, obviously the most obvious technical stuff, like the fact that they have an audience, the fact that they already have streaming infrastructure, the fact that they have a subscription service built in, all those things will help. 
but I think and, they need to so build he, the the sure. The but data here's here, here's the thing. That, well, they have data, but the the, the thing. No, no, but the, do you think they have data to tell them what kind of of Game of Thrones or long form or House of Cards type of show would succeed? They don't know. That that data is not on their platform. That 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 could be. I don't know. I mean, combine it with Google data. Google okay, sure. Data, okay, maybe, start bringing maybe, that maybe, maybe. Yeah. Right, and and then I mean yeah. the other thing, which I I didn't even realize until recently that YouTube had this, but I but I. Um, I was in LA recently and I got a tour of the YouTube studios down there mm -hmm. and it's kind of crazy what they're doing, which is, you know, they've built out, they, I don't know if they took over like, you know, an existing yeah, well, that's for the, movie the, or the YouTube TV stars. studio. Yeah. Right. And so they have this, yeah. this whole setup and they have it in a number of different cities now where basically yeah. if you have a significant number of followers, it depends on, on the yep. different cities, but in like LA, I think it's like if you have 10,000 subscribers to your YouTube channel, you get free usage of a, a full scale, you know, TV studio to to create new videos and including all the equipment for free wow. and so yeah, so they're, they're awesome. able to sort of you know bring up yeah. mm -hmm. the, this amateur talent and help them become professional at like basically zero cost and so you could see where where some of these people could start building better and better long longer form content because sort of YouTube is nurturing them from from very early on, from amateur to to creating the you know turning them into professionals, and that's actually you know that's a kind of unique competitive uh, advantage. I, absolutely, and I, I think that 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 kind of stuff is 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 really cool, and it's going to open up new kinds of entertainment. And and you know that you know a lot of times new kinds of entertainment often dwarfs the old kind of entertainment, even sure. as the old kinds of entertainment sticks around. And I think if if we're going to go in that direction. If you go even further past YouTube, you're going to land on Twitch. Sure. And Twitch yeah. is doing a lot of really crazy and cool stuff. And if you look at similar, you know, uh, the streaming type of uh, revenue models out in Asia, it's even crazier because they basically have music industry built off of uh, streaming and just the, the whole tipping business model. They've got uh, uh, not only like game streaming, but like cooking shows that stream. Uh, there's actually a whole kind of thing I, I can't remember the term but it's like mukbang or something like that in Korea where people just, yeah. just prepare and eat, eat food yeah and it's <laughs> it's like uh, it's it's huge like so, so what is it sorry it's 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 a kind of uh, it's a show where you, there's just people ordinary people and they they will cook their meal and then eat the meal and viewers watch them and stream and, the whole thing yeah and I, I I I still haven't figured out what the entertainment factor is there <laughs> I, I, I maybe it's probably the conversation because I, I don't understand what they're saying it's it's, it's in Korean but uh, it seems like the most boring thing in the world to me but it, but the fact that there's millions of people watching it shows that it's not a fluke right there's there's, it, there's clearly something there that uh, we just don't understand well, I mean I don't understand Dennis do you understand what it no, is? I don't really I mean I, I've seen it. It's amusing, but I don't think I would ever <laughs> watch it again. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure what it is, but but I mean that's. But you know, the same token, uh, you know, I used to watch streaming games, and uh, a lot of people would watch me yeah. watching streaming games and be like, "What are you watching? That seems boring." But that's a you know that's clearly a huge market now, and I I understand what the draw is there because I'm a fan, but but I, so. I, so I think that's that's interesting in that like I think the forms of media, the forms of entertainment, the forms of content, like we we're we're, we're talking about Netflix and HBO initially, but like there's all of these forms that are going to be coming and being, you know, people are watching and spending their time doing that we don't even aren't even on the radar in terms of like comparing it to Netflix or HBO, right? And and hours and hours and hours of entertainment are being spent on all these like, kind of new forms of sure. Media, well, I mean, it's right? it's why Amazon spent two billion dollars on Twitch. On Twitch, right? yeah. But but just I mean, I think it's it's important while 
to understand well, while Twitch is a video distribution service, I don't see them as competing with Netflix. It's, it's not like somebody who watches really? Twitch. I, I don't think so. Well, why maybe, not? There's only so you're competing for people's time. Yeah, right? yeah exactly. I, time, that, that's time, what I was going to say. Time yeah. is the limited asset. Here, no, right? no. In, in the same way that baseball competes with Netflix, right? Or or uh, playing well, video games, like sure. everything. There's a limited amount of leisure hours, and in that sense, you're absolutely right. I think uh, yeah. all these leisure activities compete with each other. I think in that sense, you're you're and completely and, and again, right? I mean, if you look at Twitch as now being part of an Amazon company, and and they're trying to expand Twitch and sort of make it more YouTube. You know, yeah. you could certainly. See the same thing happening where they become sort of the the minor leagues for creating amateur content that leads into the professional platform of Amazon Prime, right? Uh, you know, again, this is the kind of thing where I I, I think you're you're right. There'll be certain stars that that cross over. I think like the Comedy Central shows that spawn off of YouTube that. Those shows will typically be essentially extensions of the YouTube shows. I I, I, I don't think that the Twitch I don't think Twitch will be a minor league to produce uh, the stars of existing full form content, right? Yeah. Like uh, if you're not you're not going to get your House of Cards stars and stuff like that out of Twitch. You're not going to get your um, uh, I don't know what you. Why say. Why is Twitch and YouTube the minor leagues? Why like you can't you know, exactly. kind of go like back no, 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 and no, no, forth? That, that, that's, that's, that was that's, that was magic. That, that's that's right, and that's fair. It's it's not a perfect analogy, right? Because you know, in many ways, like you know, being a successful YouTube star is, is being uh, you know being a one of the biggest rock stars in the world. You know, these yeah, days, and you can like for, you know, you can imagine if uh, you know one of the actors from some amazing show wants to come and do a Twitch channel, I'm sure people would watch them sure. play video games or do whatever or produce YouTube. Sure, content. sure, sure, sure. And, and uh, so it's, it, maybe it's, maybe the minor leagues yeah. is the wrong sort of way of looking at it. I mean, I, I guess just the, the premise behind this discussion was about sort of TV style content, professional TV so. style content. And so I, I only meant in the sense of okay. going from <laughs> the kind of YouTube creation to TV style content, it could act as kind of a, you know, a kind of way to discover talent that can yeah. do that kind of content but that's not to take away from the fact that there are tons of like you know youtube and twitch stars uh you know and, and yeah. you could argue instagram and vine and and i know, feel like there's there's a the big opportunity like i think all right now all of the diff all of the different channels of content are just so kind of separated and disparate sure. and i th and i wonder if there's an opportunity for for a way to kind of unify all of the experiences right like make maybe one of the game of stars a game of thrones stars has a twitch channel that i had no idea and like I didn't know about or YouTube channel that I should be watching because I like one of these, you know, I like House of Cards. I feel like there's huge opportunities to kind of join all of these channels together. And at least but, but then, of course, you, ha you have the same issue, which I brought up in the intro, which is that so much of this content is siloed. Right. And yeah. And, and that's the, the I don't like the silos. Which yeah, is, yeah. Like I, I like I find I find out about a show and then it's like, oh, I have to subscribe to Hulu. It's like, oh, wait, I have to subscribe to Amazon. I have, to, I have to subscribe to, I think I was watching Unreal the other day and I have to actually buy that show through my Comcast subscription, which right. seems ridiculous. Well, guys, um, look, yeah. it, the, you're not going to be able to get everything in the world with one seven ninety nine or nine ninety nine. I can't remember what my Netflix subscription is now, but whatever it is, I, it, it's not fair to assume that you're going to just pay that and get everything, right? You're going to have to pay different. I, I like it. I like the silos because it, it's an unbundling. We don't have to pay one fee and get everything Amazon Prime style. Can get little pieces for smaller amounts, so it's and, it's more a la carte. Yeah, yeah and, and I think that's and, fine. Sure, and and I get that, but I, I 
I guess, you know, I, what I wonder, and I don't know if there's any data on this, is, you know, how many how many people subscribe to multiple ones of these services? Like, I'd love to see a chart of, like, yeah. you know, how many people subscribe to one, how many subscribe well, to two, What do you want to do, an informal poll? <laughs> yeah, yeah. With the, with the TechDirt audience, let us know. I mean... Or, or just amongst <laughs> us. Like, I, I subscribe. I have Comcast. I have HBO. I have Showtime. And then, yeah, my brother subscribed to Netflix, so I watch his Netflix. Or ah, shame <laughs> Am I admitting that? That's, but that's okay. I think yeah, yeah. they want us to. Yeah, they're 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 generally okay with that to a limited degree. So mm-hmm. I I am I am horrible because I currently subscribe to none of these things. So you have none. I have nothing. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. So I, well, I I mean, for me, honestly, it's like, you know, right now I don't even have a TV because. Because my TV broke, <laughs> or or rather, my son broke my TV. But that's a different I, issue. <laughs> I, I only watch stuff on my iPad, anyways. But yeah, uh, yeah. Wait, but so out that, of the three of us, I'm the only one that actually watches television. <laughs> I, I don't have TV. Yeah. I use it well, for like, console games. That's all I use my TV for. I mean, now. the thing is, for me, honestly, it's just that I don't have time. Like, I'm always interested, and every once in a while, I sort of dabble in the idea of of finally subscribing. I subscribe to to Amazon Prime for for yeah. one year um and i watched a little bit oh, of yeah i'm, I'm I also a prime subscriber it. and i watch the prime show i watch a lot of tv that's actually <laughs> so i did that and then i very briefly i i like you did borrow someone's netflix account actually just to kind of see a couple things um and and then i was like well if i really like it i will subscribe if i'm going to use it but again i just i just don't have time to watch tv so so i am I am probably yeah. not the norm at all. In that well, I, I have I time really to watch The Bachelor, so apparently I have a lot of time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, that, that, that's the defining... I, I actually... I'm in the position where like, I definitely have enough time to watch more Netflix shows, and there's a lot of movies. I keep adding more and more movies to my queue, and I never get to them because I find when I... I mostly watch things before I'm going to go to sleep, and when I get to bed, I just find it mentally easier to just watch a couple of YouTube videos and read yeah. a couple of news stories well, and just go to sleep. Here's the thing, right? So, so of course, you know, the two of you don't have kids and I have kids, right? So, so, so the time that I would, you know, historically before I had kids, the time that I would use to watch TV in the evenings is now kind of spent with kids. But don't, don't and they so, watch? So to... that's, the, so, but they're at an age where they don't actually, they don't but watch. I think as they get older, that will change and they'll be much more likely to want to watch it. So I assume that, you know, within a few years, we're, we're probably going to have to subscribe to these things just for the kids to watch it. And then perhaps I'll start to watch again too. So are you telling me you have like, what, six or seven seasons of Game of Thrones that you have not, that you're ready to watch? Uh, you, you name it. Any of these shows that you guys are talking That's about. That's so exciting. I, I, yeah, I, cool. I have probably not <laughs> seen any Dennis, of it. Dennis, imagine being able to watch Game of Thrones from beginning to end in one splurge. Yeah. That would be tremendous. You would, you would die. I mean, yeah. I've, I've, I've watched every episode probably like three or four times already, so. Oh really? They're you so, watch, they're, watch, they're very it's, it's worth watching multiple times. It's not. It's not worth it, but you have to because there's so much content. I see. Not I see. if you read the books. I've only watched them each once. You're fine. You watch it once. <laughs> uh, Whatever. But, but I was going to say, you know, there's one interesting thing with all this uh, online content, uh, which is which is different than uh, previous shows and things like that. Which is that if you look at YouTube and Twitch, a lot of the stars are uh, a lot more diverse than what you see on regular TV. Like the top YouTube sure. star, I think, is like this Asian-American kid. One of the other top 10 is this Indian-American girl, or no, Canadian-American, uh, 
Indian Canadian. I don't know what the term is, but Punjabi girl from Canada. There's like it's a very diverse group of people, and you look at the Twitch stars as well. You see a similar amount of diversity in the in the top streamers. And uh, I don't know if that's because the audience is global, or if the digital audience in just the United States is sort of more open to having uh, a more racially diverse cast. Or I, I, I'm not quite sure what it is, but but certainly the the demographics show, right, in terms of who the stars are, that there's something very fundamentally different between what the audience is showing appreciation for versus what, you know, Hollywood thinks uh, TV stars need to look like and what Hollywood shows continue to look like, right? So something there. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's actually maybe a topic for a different podcast. (laughs) Right, that should be our tagline. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Topic for the next podcast. Yeah, no, but but yeah, I I actually, I agree. I mean, I think that is really interesting. And I wonder, uh, you know, I I wonder what that's going to lead to and if that'll sort of change, um, you know, how how professional level content is is produced. I mean, we're seeing some of that um, already, I think, but. But it, but it, it certainly is interesting. So I, the one the one other topic that I wanted to bring in here, I mentioned the intro and sort of brought it up a little bit, but it hasn't been discussed at all, which I actually think is kind of interesting, is that, you know, with all this stuff, the issue of, of like BitTorrent and, and piracy is like almost no one talks about it anymore. Right? Yeah, because yeah. there's there's I mean, so that was the whole services. point, wasn't it? Like it's now that it's easy to actually get the content you want, like there's it's more of a pain in the ass to go and get it from BitTorrent, you know. Yeah. It was always it was always a convenience thing. I thought. Yeah, I mean, it's just way easier for me to pay nine ninety nine. Actually, for the uh, HBO Go, it's I think fifteen dollars something like that. But whatever it is, it's just like not worth my time to. I don't know. Set up my router and ugh, just bid torrent stuff. It's just a pain. I just rather just pay. For so it's it, yeah. I mean, I think it's I think it's the combination of convenience and just availability, right? I mean, since these services have so much, right? I think if it was. You know, if it was more of the piecemeal service where you had to like pay for each show, I think then you would still see a, a lot more you know, piracy and BitTorrent usage. But I think just the the subscription with tons and tons of content, it just you know it makes it so much so much easier and, and more convenient. But you know, then again, like you but know, look, if the piracy technology gets better and they make it just as convenient, as HBO, right? Well, that's that was the whole thing with with Popcorn Time, right? I mean, the whole point of Popcorn Time was that it actually created what some people consider to be a much nicer interface and a much nicer setup than than even Netflix. And so, you know, people were really excited about it. And that's also why the MPA has been rushing around the globe trying to shut down anyone who sets up popcorn time in, in any sort of manner. Yeah. Well, that, um, that but, said, even, even though I've subscribed to apparently almost every online service and have cable and everything, I have the age-old problem is last night I, was, I sat down to watch TV and I had nothing to watch. <laughs> no, you can't. How is that a, possible? Yeah, that I don't know. You Not better, true. You, go on a streaming service. There's no way you. I have it all. I I, I didn't. <laughs> like, none of it looks like. I was like, I don't want to watch that. I don't want to like. I, I was just. Oh, like, that. Okay. Yeah. You just not in the mood to watch something. Then you That's read what a I'm book saying. or something. A what? What? <laughs> just read a book or something. Weird. A yeah, what? A what? A, a what? A book. <laughs> um. I, yeah. Well, but I mean, again, that is sort of the classic problem where it's like, you know, what people used to say about cable, where it's like 120 channels and nothing, you know, oh, nothing yeah. on or something. So yeah. I still may- have that problem. <laughs> I'll tell you this, though. With Netflix, I find that their discovery is very difficult. I don't think they do a good job of suggesting new shows to me. I, I tend to go off portal to get 
new things to watch. Yeah, I mean, I, I always search Google for what should I watch on Netflix right now? That's yeah. like, really? There's, there's a bunch of people that compile lists of, you know, the best movies to watch right now on Netflix, the best, like, and Wasn't they update there, them like every month, which is awesome. I, I know. Okay. So I, I recently heard someone talking about this. So I don't know if this is actually something that exists or if they have it, but, or if somebody just said this to me as an idea, which was the idea of like, you know, Netflix having a, a streaming channel that was effectively like what's on now as opposed to like selecting stuff for people like yeah i always i I always wanted that like i want that from apple tv which is i want to turn it on and it just something plays right Right. netflix so you have so you have like the forced serendipity of of a of a platform and frankly that's what i like about having having comcast still is Uh that sometimes i just turn it on and see what's on and even and then and the weird thing is with comcast you can start watching a show and then you can be, you can click on a button that says like watch from the beginning so it's actually oh. so then they're streaming it even though you started watching it like halfway into the show um and you can just start over because right it's like this forced serendipity thing um which is really nice actually yeah that's yeah. that's interesting um too much choice is bad <laughs> Well, uh, I don't know about that. that right, also but might I mean, but basically, yeah, it's there's some curation, right? There's some thought that yeah, goes yeah. into what is playing at quote prime time. And even though we've been hearing the death of prime time for years now, there's something to be said about you know programming that is on on a Thursday night at 8 p.m. You know, there's there's certain shows that are are decided to be played at that time, and you know Ooh. to be expected. I don't think rhythms are as uniform as they used to be 30 years ago. I it's don't... not rhythms. It's just saying that that slot, there's a limited number of slots, right? So, and, and I think No, that, I, I know, think... but the reason yeah. it was so prime was because people's working schedules and things were in such a cycle. That particular time of the week was a prime time when everyone would come and yeah, watch, but, which but isn't I, the I case anymore. Yeah, I don't think that's the point that Dennis is making, that like 8 p.m. is necessarily prime yeah. time. He's just making the, the point that like the sort of you know episodic, serialized mm. set of content Something. where you know it's going yeah. to come out at this oh. time every week. It could be 3 a.m. You know, for all right. you care. But, HBO works that way. With sure. Yeah. And so... I mean, yep. so, you know, and, and obviously Netflix has kind of gone the other direction. They really focus on just releasing everything at once and getting people hooked and binge watching. binging, which yeah. I don't know. I, I actually think HBO has the right model there because if you think about the amount of discussion that happens around a Game of Thrones and, and the lack of discussion with House of Cards, the lack of discussion on social media with House of Cards is because everyone just watches the whole thing. And and you also can't talk about it because you don't know who's caught up to what episode. <laughs> Whereas with Game of Thrones over the course of the week, like right now, I know everyone who's worth anything has already watched the episode for last Sunday, right? So I, I can say whatever I want on my Facebook. Um, you know, I, I would write the word spoiler, but you see what I'm saying? So there's a lot of discussions, uh, but you, can't, you won't have that. There's no water cooler talk about House of Cards. Although I think it has just as many good cliffhanger yeah. type of moments but no one will ever it, it doesn't really you, show you up. totally miss out on the, the social aspect of the show yeah. that's interesting yeah i wonder if anyone sort of quantified that yeah you look at that, there, like be... how much social discussion there is around like game of thrones versus no I, I think the more interesting question around that quantification yeah. is how much does it affect your enjoyment of the series and i think it's significant i think i yeah. feel like i enjoy game of thrones much more than house of cards yeah because i'm forced to like sort of to anticipate you know, anticipate it eating yeah. it small it's it's like when you get the whole chocolate cake and your wife forgot she <laughs> baked it and it's in the fridge right and and then you eat the whole thing over the course of a weekend right and that that's it's just gross 
you hate yeah. yourself. That's what that's, happens with the house of cards. That's quite an analogy, <laughs> yeah. but 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 it works. It works. All right. So I think I think we, we've sort of covered this topic, and we're we're sort of out of time. So I'll, I'll let you guys jump in with any sort of final words or any any final predictions. Where do you where do you think this the online professional level TV whatever video content market is in five years? I think it's going to there's going to be more fracturing. I think there's going to be instead of there being a consolidation like a lot of industry watchers say with like big silos like Amazon and Netflix, I think it's going to be fractured out into lots of independent small subscription sort of channels where you just pay like 3.99 a month and you have like a few shows, right? And it'll be mm-hmm. very niche focused. So you think uh, there'll be room for upstarts and things yeah, like that? Yeah, I, absolutely. I think I mean that that's one thing I'm wondering is, you know, once once Game of Thrones is finished, like, do I cancel my HBO subscription until the next season is back? And hmm. you know, I think it'd be really interesting to be able to subscribe to individual shows, but maybe people don't want want that friction. Yeah, I'm not sure that the friction works. And I'm also I'm gonna I'm gonna be contrarian for both of you. I don't I don't see either of those things happening. I just I think that the the bundle model of putting a whole bunch of shows in one is just so powerful in terms of getting over the the sort of transaction costs and the friction and you know in almost every other content area even with the internet you know we tend to see that it, it starts to yeah. it starts to gravitate towards you know central dominant players and so i wouldn't be surprised to see you know i don't know if it's still the same you know like big three or big four video content providers but i think you're still going to have really dominant players and smaller ones are going to have a difficult time actually making it work that's my prediction at least and yeah, well, we'll see in five my years my podcast yeah. so the thing okay. that my that you guys forgot is the transactions are becoming more streamlined but let's sure we should, we yeah. should sure. not sure. Could drop down that you yeah, should watch know. game of thrones though it's pretty good yeah <laughs> I'll, I'll get there eventually after everyone else has moved on and then nobody will talk about it with me on social media. But anyways, uh, we're done for today. But thanks, guys, for having an interesting conversation. Thanks, Hirsch, for coming up with the topic when we were struggling for one. And it was good. It was a good discussion. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll be back next week with something else to talk about. So Bye. thanks. Bye. Bye. Grab a shovel and dig up the tack.